everyone, it's Brandon Kyle Goodman, and I want to welcome you to Black Folks. On this show, I have the honor of talking to black people of various identities about our lives and how being black has shaped our experiences. Today, we have the talented and amazing comedian and actress, Jonika T. Gibbs, also known as JoJo. So she plays Hattie in Lena Waite's BET series, 20s, and you've seen her in The Left Right Game and Good Trouble. Now, you oftentimes will hear me call her JoJo because one, she goes by JoJo, and two, we are play cousins. Officially, she my play cousin, period. That's that on that. Um, we talked about our favorite pair of sneakers growing up, our first time experiencing racism in the workplace, and how we both have seen classism affect racism we experience. While JoJo kept me laughing, she was also brave enough to talk about her personal experiences of racism. So as you listen, please take care of yourself. Also, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, comment, or tell someone about us. And if you post on IG, don't forget to tag me at Brandon K. Good or tag our podcast page at Black Folks, F-O-L-X. Okay, I think that's everything. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Jojo T. Gibbs. Hi, Jojo. How you doing, sweetie? <laughs> you know, it's a, today is a Friday. I'm just ready for the weekend, which I know doesn't really mean anything in COVID. But. <laughs> it still feels good to say, you know, you got to keep the momentum going with that Friday energy. You know? Yes. Just not like my plan this weekend, and then I'm going to have you introduce yourself, but I just want to say that my plan is to sit down drink some rosé, and watch The Parkers on Netflix. Listen. <laughs> Listen. I, I'm about to go through it just like I went through Moesha. I mean, yes. I've, been, I've been on it already. Have you been through Sister Sister yet? Because... You know, I will not lie. I love Sister Sister growing up. However, okay. it's been a little harder to resonate with me than moesha and the parkers have been so wait why is wait hold on i gotta have you introduce yourself and then i'm gonna ask that question okay, so, cool, okay cool. introduce yourself <laughs> to the people starting with your pronouns um hi you guys i my pronouns are she and her and i my name is janika t gibbs i also go by jojo t gibbs uh either one works um and what else am i supposed to say that's anything you huh? want us to know like what like what you work okay. on what you do anything you want us to know well, I'm an actor, I'm a comedian, I'm a writer. Right now, I'm on a show called 20s. It's on BT and Showtime, yes. um, created by Lena Waithe. And I am also working on some other personal passion projects. So, yes. you know, a lot a lot of things coming down the pipeline. Yes. Jojo, you comedian yes. too? You stand up? Am yes. I crazy? Yes. I do, I do stand up comedy. Uh, COVID has, well, people are starting to figure it out and do, you know, Stuff Those outdoor shows, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Are you going so. up yet? Have you gone back up yet? I have not. I have not because I'm going to keep it real with you. Um, you know, I've been doing stand-up for about six years now, and I'm ready to just throw my cards on the table. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I'm like, I'm going to just, I'm going to film my own comedy special and just put my own money down. You know what I'm saying? And get Make some homies involved. Make your own fucking lane. Yes. Exactly. Because yes. I'm just like, I keep. I keep giving these free free jokes out. Like for what? Like <laughs> yes. what am I doing? Like you better pay for these jokes. <laughs> you know, it's time. It's time. And not a free drink ticket either, because that, that I'm <laughs> they don't do it. <laughs> I used to do uh I used to do sketch comedy and that was always like our payment was like a free drink house house gym. House, house listen, <laughs> rail. <laughs> oh, Oh what? Wait, oh, you got a ticket? Oh, that's real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, thank you. Um, wait, let me jump in though. So, why why does Sister Sister not hit the same now? I love Sister Sister. I guess it's just like you know, you to start from the start to the end. Well, I guess Moesha was around the same age, but Sister Sister felt more. It was Disney Channel. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it yeah. felt more childlike, I guess, to me. 
when yes. I jumped back in it initially. However, I was over at my friend's house and she was all the way to the college years. And that I got into, you know. Um, right, 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 right. Because, yes, when they had their boyfriends and their, mm-hmm, yes, and they're singing yeah. the theme song now. Yes, I do Yeah, that. you know, um, but when it first started, it was a little corny, just a little <laughs> bit, you know. <laughs> I We were rewatching it and I, I, thought, I thought it wouldn't hit the same because, yeah. you know, we're older. But I watched it and I was like, oh, okay, like Jack A. Harry is like Okay, a no, genius. Jack A. Jack A. <laughs> it's a Jack genius. A is funny. She is hilarious from season one, the pilot, to yes. forever. Yes. She is hilarious. Um I think She's, it was just some of the situations the twins were getting into. I was like, Yes. Okay. Yes. Know, that was it. You have to kind of be like, listen, this is this is a young kind of escapism because it is very well, I'm going to go back to it. It's just they don't hit you with the Moesha, then the sister, sister, <laughs> then they hit you with the Parkers. You know what I'm saying? The it's girlfriends. The girlfriends. Uh, you know, the game. I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just trying to catch up. And then you once you get all of those gems, you got to rank them a little bit. Sure, sure, and sure. Right now, you know, I'm, I'm still on girlfriends. Yes. And I'm now I'm the Parkers. So I'm just like, ah. And I got to tell you, with Moesha and the Parkers, and even Sister Sister, I do not skip the intro. That is... <laughs> Never. Never. You got Moesha. Eat to the... You got to listen to it. Because it's so Every catchy. single Five time. in the morning. It is. It is me. me. It's me. You got to just let it play. Down. Oh, it's the best. When I actually, for the theme song for this show, I sent it to our composer and I was like, like Moesha and living single. That's like that's the vibe yeah, that I want. What I want to go for. Yes. It's the nostalgia of it. I remember because it's such a show that will always come on through the day. It yeah. takes me back to my grandma's house. It takes me back to certain places, you know, where I could just be walking through the house and you hear that song playing, you know? Yes, yes. There's so, something there's something safe about it. Okay, I'm going to ask you the, you know, we got the little black folks question and the big black folks question. Okay. So, so the little black folks question is, do you remember your favorite pair of sneakers growing up? Hmm. Favorite pair? You know... I will say I made a big deal out of getting some high top Air Force Ones. Mm. <laughs> and when I tell you, it's I, I just glad I'm glad there are no photos of this because <laughs> I would wear a jersey dress and some high top Air Forces like I was the baddest bitch in the school. <laughs> you hear me? I had a Chicago Bulls jersey dress and you couldn't tell me shit. You couldn't tell me nothing. Did you wear the dress with like a belt like or was it just like the dress as is? How'd you wear it? It looked like a jersey, but it was fitting and then it had a little cut that was like curved down, you know, to Come show through. Thigh, nothing. I was, a, you know, I was 13, 14. It was nothing crazy, you know what I'm saying? But then I had on my high top forces. Hey, nobody could tell you shit. Not a damn thing. Like, I, that, I think that's the only shoe that I was like. And I had some black Tims that. Oh, of course. I love my black Tims, but I remember this girl tried to hate on me and tell me they looked like they was off-brand. So I was like, bitch, I know you see this tree. I know you see this motherfucking tree. You better stop. Like, it's black, but bitch, look close. Don't try me. I ain't wearing no fake-ass Tims. Like, that shit, I couldn't whoop her ass. I was scared of her, but I wanted to fight. You wanted to fight? Of course. Whenever anyone tells you that your shit isn't real, when you know, when you know you you or your mama or your daddy pay good money for it. It, it, it really is a fight to me. Right. It Don't really try me. is. I had a, so my, my favorite Tims were these blue like denim Tims, but no one mm. ever said that was fake. They said my Rockaware leather jacket was fake. Now, oh. in their defense, I did get it from Marshalls, but, <laughs> <laughs> but in my defense, Marshalls ain't like bootleg. It's like, you know, there's like, you know, something yeah, irregular. You find gems in there sometimes. sometimes Absolutely. It'd be the only one left. It'd be in your size. You'd be like, look at God. The sleeve is slightly longer, but who? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. They used to piss me off. Okay. Oh, my favorite pair of sneakers, I got to give you. I don't think I had it. uh, I mean, obviously, I loved my light ups. 
What is yeah. that brand? Was it Fila? What is that how you say it? Fila. Yeah, yeah. I remember those light ups were everything to me. But then I think yeah. it was when I was 18, I got these uh Nike high tops that were gold and black. It was like a gold base with like a black heel and then a oh, black okay. check mark. And I wore them everywhere. <laughs> you couldn't tell me shit. My sneakers were gold. Fuck yeah, out of here. Like, Y'all gonna see these sneakers. Dude. You gonna see these gonna <laughs> sneakers. Okay? That, that was my shit. Okay, I'm gonna ask you the big black folks question. And I'm gonna warn you. Big is a little heavier, so we can we okay. can we can take through it, right? Okay. So what I want to know is, do you remember the first time you experienced racism in a workplace? Mm. Well, I will say this: the first time I felt like I experienced racism was in college, okay. which determined my workplace. Oh, uh, because I was a senior in college. I was a broadcast journalism major. I always knew I wanted to act. Always knew I wanted to do that. But I was a little intimidated by the thought of doing acting. Acting, so I became a broadcast journalism major because I'm like, I'll still be on TV. You sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And it felt a little more secure. And I remember um, I had a professor who basically I was the only black person in my class and we were supposed to you know do stories on things going on on campus and in the community and whoop de whoop I was doing a lot of things with about black people why mm-hmm. because who else gonna do the shit about black people because right. these white kids are doing stories about white shit going on on campus and mm-hmm. basically my professor accused me of being lazy cutting corners and plagiarizing and basically knowing every black person that I interviewed, basically. And it pissed me off because the white kids were interviewing white kids. You know right. what I'm saying? They were doing stories about white stuff. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> However, he never said, I think all those are your friends or you must know them. Or like, are you just being late? You know what I'm saying? Like, And so he almost even threatened to take me to honor court. Because it was a student who he was the first black student to have a play at our theater. Mm -hmm. And this is the oldest university in the country. This is a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Right. um, And uh, it's the oldest public university in the country. Anyway, um, so I did a story on him and he's a very introverted person. He's a writer. He's not really vocal. So when he did this, when I interviewed him. I asked him some questions and basically they were the same shit that everybody was asking. You know what I'm saying? And he basically would regurgitate the same thing mm-hmm. over and over. Yeah. So I can't help it that he's saying the same shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. So I do my quote and basically the teacher accused me of plagiarizing. And I'm like, I spent a whole day with my dude. Okay. You're not going right. to tell me I plagiarize. You can call. I'll get you his information. You can, you know what I'm saying? Reach out to Kamal. Ask him if we, if I interviewed him. Yeah. Do you know the only thing that changed this man's mind was one of my white male classmates who he had become buddy buddy with for whatever reason. He come. He basically talked him down. Like was like, hey, like don't you know? Basically talked him out of sending me to honor court. And it, it was like a double edge of. I appreciate you, homie, for looking right. out for me and speaking right. on my behalf. But also, you another student like me. You ain't a TA. You right. ain't a fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't, you are, you are a fucking student in this class, just like me. Why right. Why is your word better than mine? You sure. know what I'm saying? Yes. Why, why is you telling my professor that I didn't do X, Y, Z more, you know what I'm saying? Like, have more it, weight, have more like, it, exactly. he believes that over. He believed that, right, exactly. Did you know that it was race at the time? At the time, 100%. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, I can't, I can't do that because you're not going to basically call me lazy, call me cutting corners and stuff like that because of the type of uh, material that I want to do, you know, focus yeah. on or the demographic that I want to focus on when if, just because we go to a majority white school doesn't mean that I know every black person on this campus. Right. You know what I'm saying? First of all, because I don't. I, might <laughs> <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. First of all, because I don't. <laughs> yes. First of all, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
And so it, it, it was very off-putting. And honestly, that was the experience that changed my whole perspective on my career. I was like, I'm not doing anything with this degree. Mm. I'm going to finish it at this point. I'm a senior. I'm going to finish it. I'm not about to change my major. Sure. Um, but I'm not about to be a journalist. If this is what y'all do, if this is how y'all try to keep people confined within a box to do the type of uh, reporting that to, that y'all want them to do, not the right. things that interest me and the people that I'm thinking about, you know, then, hey. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, I think we talk about news today and the way that it's skewed and not in our favor as black people, mm -hmm. right? Like all the headlines, everything. I mean, you know, just talking about what's going on in the world right now, every time there's a protest, it becomes labeled as a riot and there's no conversation about the peaceful uh, kind of community that has come together before law enforcement or whoever comes in and turns it left at the end, which mm -hmm. I think speaks to what you're saying is like, there are only certain types of stories that you're being allowed to tell when it comes mm -hmm. to black people. And mm -hmm. most of the time, I'm sure those stories are not allowed to be positive and uplifting, mm -hmm. right? Those stories mm -hmm. have to be, um, which it's it's kind of terrifying to, to think about that that's happening at a university level as well, right? Like I understand yeah. the system of news operates like that, but this idea that at a university level, that's also what you're coming up against is, um, is it's terrifying, like sad. Yeah. How did you, because I feel like there are probably people who have been in that situation and didn't clock the race thing at, mm -hmm. in that moment. Right. So what do you think about your, or what is it about your upbringing or your background or your interests that allowed you to be tuned in and plugged in to know that that moment was about <clears throat> your blackness? Well, um, you know, growing up in South Carolina, you go, you experience a lot of things. And I learned at a very young age, I remember in middle school, um, realizing very quickly that regardless of what you do, how great you are, how good you are, how well you do in school, the color of my skin will ultimately determine your interpretation of who I am at the end of the day. Sometimes. Because yeah. uh, when I was in middle school, I remember I went, like I said, I'm from South Carolina. Atlanta. I lived in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I, I'll say this in South Carolina, that's probably when I had the most Caucasian friends. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, however, that was when I was the most combative with Caucasians as well. <laughs> 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 it was like a weird thing, you know? Um, yeah. But, white people with money had coof back then. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, tr Trump has created a safe space for anybody to just say whatever the hell they want. But whatever back the then, fuck they want. if you was middle class or higher, you wasn't saying anything racist because that was tacky. That was, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but of course, we had to deal with the white kids that still we would wear Confederate flag shirts and say it's my heritage but didn't know shit. And, right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Um and I was cool with some of them too. I some, you know, I'd be like, you know, whatever. Like, you just want to be in a group, so yeah. you know, you got to wear these damn Confederate flags to have some friends, whatever. Sure, you know? sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. um, you know, me and my friends kind of got upset about it. Um, once again, this was a majority white middle school. And sure. It was probably, I don't know, less than 50 black kids in my seventh grade class. Mm. And um, probably less than that, probably less than 30. And um, Damn. we were a small little group of friends and we were like, let's all wear the same color one day. These white kids all wear Confederate flag shirts and stuff. And nobody accuses them of being in gangs and stuff because that was a thing. Like we couldn't wear certain colors. And we were like, what? So we chose orange. Uh -huh. like, this this ain't a gang color. They can't say nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't be tripping. And we all wore orange shirts one day. And do you know they threatened to suspend me and 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 call my mom because they they thought we were forming a gang. And I was just like, me, me, <laughs> me, who's never gotten a D note. They used to call these the detention notes. Yeah, yeah. Never since, never since I stepped foot in the school has I have I gotten in trouble. <laughs> me with my my jersey me, dress. And me my, with my jersey dress. Do you think I'm gonna be fighting, boo? Okay. I I look like crime mob, but I am not. 
I am not a fighter, okay? I was appalled. And my mom threatened to call the news because she was just like, all these white kids wearing these Confederate flags and shit. Is this could not, could this not be a game? Right. And it just made me so aware, like, you do everything right. You are, you an athlete. Mm -hmm. You you get great grades. You never got in trouble. You get along with all your teachers. You're a great asset to this, to this school. And yet, because you and your friends wear all orange one day, they threaten to suspend you if you Mm. don't stop. I was just blown away. And let me tell you, though, when my mom threatened to call the news, they got their shit together. And they apologized. However, it's just the point of the audacity. Yes. You know, the audacity. Like, I... I can't. I couldn't even believe like that was the first thing they went to, rather yes. than being like, "Well, let's just see what happens. Maybe they just are girls and they just all wanted to <laughs> match." <laughs> yes, you know. Um, but it was you're like not, an immediate. It was an immediate. Thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like you're not given what. What I think is so heartbreaking about that is like, as children, as black children, we're not given the benefit of the doubt of innocence. Mm-mm. No, we're not, we're not seen as. Children, like, as you said, like, maybe it's just a bunch of girls who wanted to match. Like, that's not, I'm right. sure if, like, 30 white blonde girls did it, they'd be like, oh, how cute. Like, Listen, <laughs> granted, it wasn't innocent. We were trying to, you know, create a stance. <laughs> However, It was y'all, activism, but not yes, again. It was, it was activism. Right. It was, it was, we were just trying to prove a point. Yes. And y'all wasn't even there for the meeting. So y'all didn't know that. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, so... It was disheartening and it is it's damaging, I think, to a black person to experience something like that and to feel like how how do I win when I do so right and still get accused of being wrong, you know? Yeah. So it was it I knew I could not live in South Carolina. Like yeah. at a very young age. I knew I was like, I can't I don't think like y'all or y'all really. Did so, like, your awareness of, like, your race being a factor in how you're being treated, was your mom talking to you about that? Like, w- like was anybody at home or in your community kind of positing that, like, oh, this is a thing that you have to be aware uh, of? Um, for sure. And I was, um, I was raised by my great-grandparents on mm. and off um, throughout my childhood. So, of course, they would tell us experiences growing up in the Jim, Jim Crow era. You know, yeah. um, my uncle... My great grandmother would have to buy him a new notebook every single day. She would give him a nickel to buy a new notebook or a dime or one of those. You know, rather than say fight back, it's just like don't fight back. I'm just gonna give you a dime each day. And you buy just a get new another. One. Yeah, just get another one. Just get another one. And <clears throat> listen, the first time I did get suspended, it was after watching Roots. Okay, and I went. To, that's why. <laughs> To be honest, Brandon, I've had to be guarded with myself through 2020, especially d- during the George Floyd and everything, because I'll I'll keep it inside. I'll because mm. when I was a kid and I watched Roots, I remember <laughs> going to school just mad, just wishing a motherfucker would. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just like yeah. I wish one of these white kids would say some shit to me. You know what I'm saying? Of course. And, and I was like one of three black kids. So it was like so much room for error. <laughs> <laughs> this, yes. this white boy named Joey, I'll never forget. Joey was my homie. I was friends with Joey. <laughs> but that day, that day, Joey cut me in line in, in the cafeteria. Oh, no. And I was like, Joey, you got to get to the back. And Joey looked at me and turned around. And that was his worst mistake. Oh. I- <laughs> Brandon, when I tell you, Poor I smacked Joey. the sh- shit I- out of Joey. <laughs> I sm- look, in his ear. <laughs> this-, <laughs> this nigga turned around. It was a, it was a white boy. He said, <laughs> <laughs> I said, I smacked the shit out of Joey. Listen, 
Tell me why we both got suspended, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> look, I look, I hit him with the waterworks. I was like, he cut me alive. <laughs> they was like, both of y'all get suspended. I was like, Oh my cool, god. Cool. Both as long as both of us get suspended. <laughs> look, Joy was just like, <laughs> You're like, but I but I, you know, for the people, for the people. I'm sorry, Joey. Take like, over the Joe, team. I gave you a warning. I said, Joey, you yeah. cut you you I don't you can't cut me. And you disregarded me. <laughs> when I tell you I smacked the fire to Joey. Oh. <laughs> I feel I said, like I can hear it. Like I can hear listen, the way that he, hand landed I, on his listen, ear. I smacked the voice out of his throat because he paused. He said <laughs> And just went silent. I said, yeah, oh. you just smacked the taste out of Joey. Um, but nah, I just was like, if I engross myself and what's going on, I'm going to just be walking around angry. Just like, yeah, I wish him up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's a dangerous place for me. I got shit to lose now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And you don't get suspended no more. You go to jail. No, so. you go right to jail. You go right to I'm jail. Like, no, that's a waste of money, time, energy. Mm-mm. Not for me. But how do you, so then how do you, I guess, how do you manage that? Like, how do you, because I was saying, I had a, a I was talking to Chanaza Uche, who's one of my friends, and I was saying if black people really acknowledge to the full extent what's going on, like the rage that we would tap into would be overwhelming, and the actions from that rage would be a very different level than what, uh, you know, we, we haven't been doing what I think black people probably have the right to do if we were to really think about the injustices placed on us, on our families, on our lineage. So how do you, Jojo, like, manage that manage that rage manage to be present but also like not slap out somebody upside their head you know it's important to take space for yourself i would say you know and recognize when maybe you need some alone time or for Mm. me for me i i used to always call myself such a like extroverted introvert you know like i really love being by myself but when i'm amongst people i love it and but lately, it's been so much me time that I, you know, have become um, disillusioned to it. And however, yeah. um, I do recognize that it's necessary to take my space additionally, because because I'm by, by myself so much, I dwell on things too much. Mm. And I don't want to allow certain things to permeate my space that will well, I'll just be sitting here, you know what I'm saying, in my house just For thinking sure. about. Whereas before, you know, you learn about something and you're busy. You know, you got things to do. So you can, you empathize with the circumstance and situation and you maybe make a plan on how you're going to deal with it or help it or you move on, you know. Um, right. But now it's a lot of like just soaking into it. And, <clears throat> you know, even... uh even with the Brianna, the Brianna Taylor situation, it's just to consider it. Like, I don't want to sit here and allow my imagination to move. And um, when I was a kid, the police ran up in my house. So mm. to consider now being a single black woman living by herself, like I told my mom, which I had to backtrack on this statement, but I was like, sometimes I don't feel safe living by, <laughs> in my in my apartment. And she yeah. was like what you mean by that? You know, and just trying to like calm her. I was like, I don't mean I don't feel safe. I mean, the building is safe. The yeah, area is yeah. safe. However, yeah, I mean, if they if somebody with a bus up in here, you know what I'm saying? Like, your space ain't really your space. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, And that's a scary thing in any regard because we all come to this earth and just are given the duty of living. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's just like, when you earn a space on this earth, you want it to be yours and be protected, and you want people to to honor that, regardless yes. of whether or not you are whoever, the government, the police, the yes. uh, random, random person on the street. Like, I earned this space, you know? Yeah. So, and you, as you say, like, that thing which you said, you know, you do everything right to be told that you're wrong. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's like you do everything right to get your space, to earn your space, to keep <clears throat> your space, and then still something happens. Right. And 
and it's no longer yours. And it has nothing to do with anything you've done and everything to do with, you know, being a black woman in America, Yeah, which is, you know, I keep saying, I don't think there, I don't think that the English language suffices in terms of uh, describing what our experiences are. Like, it's like, oh, that thought is devastating and heartbreaking, but it's a lot deeper than Mm -hmm. that. Like this idea of not being able to put down roots. Like we're taught so often that like, it's about making a better life for us and our family and, and being a good person, all that stuff. And then because our skin threatens people, Mm-hmm. suddenly that is no longer our reality. Like suddenly everything can be taken. And it's just a, it's a constant feeling of being unsafe. As you said, like even in my house, like I know that, you know, we're, we're safe, but there are really challenging nights of like thinking about it. It just, all it, it takes is one neighbor. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all it takes is like one neighbor to not recognize you for shit to go left. Mm-hmm. And how, fragile that is mm-hmm. for us you mm-hmm. know how it, it's like yeah I don't know that that shit does fuck with my mind and I, so I'm with you and like you can't like sit in it it's like <clears throat> trying to keep moving so that you can kind of shift that energy without mm-hmm. com- completely not being present you know you're right. not trying to like completely unplug right but, be compartmentalized yeah, yeah but yeah but you also are like I can't live my life in my apartment afraid. Right. Either. Right. Like I got so it's a it's these mental aerobics, these, you know, mm-hmm. as a as a black person. Right. Wait, I'm gonna tell you, the first time I experienced racism in a workplace myself, which I don't actually rem I don't think I remember it, but the one that's coming up for me is I used to be a receptionist at a um a very, 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 very highfalutin, fancy-ass Tribeca-based gym. Like, <laughs> I think it was like, what, what did they charge a month? They charged something like $800 a month or Ooh, something like that. for what? For just a membership? For just the membership. That's not the classes. That's not the trainers. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, and, like, the funny thing is they charge so much. It's like a waiting list to get to this gym. And can I tell you the amount of women that never showed up? It was a pretty much a predominantly female gym, and people <clears throat> just didn't show. I was like, "That is money, y'all spending this kind of money on your gym." Listen, and you not showing up. You I ain't showing up every day. Eight hundred a month. I'm there every day. What you talking about? Um, <laughs> but this. So I was a receptionist, which you know, in Tribeca. Again, uh, as you can imagine, I'm probably the only black person people are coming in contact with or or that, you know, or one of very few. And I remember um, I like made a relationship with one of the um, the clients and I not like just like a friendship. Like we we developed Mm -hmm. a friendship and I really, you know, trusted her and. You know, we like, I, like I, you know, I was vulnerable with her, like telling her some, some, you know, heavy dark shit, um, which was probably my first mistake. Uh, don't tell everybody your business, <laughs> okay? I'm about to start talking to my dog. <laughs> shit, <laughs> I told my dog everything. Cause, Cause don't tell everybody everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I told her all this stuff, and then um, I, how much of this? I needed. Uh, I was trying to get something, a a surgery that was really important, but I was Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to do that financially. Mm -hmm. And I wanted her guidance on how to make that happen. Like, you know, what are some avenues that I could be looking into? Because that was kind of her background. And so I was using her her background to, like, help me out. Yeah. As friends do. Friends help each other out. Right. Jojo, the next day... I get called in to my bo- my my boss who sits me down and tells me that this person said that I was asking her for money and all of my business and like told him all of the things that I told her in confidence. Wow. And then ended it with I was, you know, trying to get money from her. Wow. And that's a hard, I mean, to be the only black person in that space, obviously, um, 
the guy, the the boss. Sorry, I, I haven't talked about this. I don't think ever. The boss believed me, mm-hmm. um, and so it was fine. But I also like knew that the way that it was being phrased and framed was mm-hmm. that the black receptionist, the black mm-hmm. male receptionist, mm-hmm. was hitting me up for money, and so there was all this like, for me pride and ego and obviously safety all of that just immediately compromised and it Mm -hmm. made it obviously really challenging but it was just uh, it's funny because it's not like it's not like she called me the n-word but just like the complications of what you can't see like what the perception of what Mm -hmm. that looks like Mm -hmm. and weaponizing that weaponizing her white womanhood Mm -hmm. to put me in a situation where i could potentially lose my job and lose my credibility and lose my whatever. And had my boss been slightly different, I would have been fired. Yeah. I mean, it's like with your, with your professor where it's like, there's no believing you. Most of the time that's how it goes down. You know what? I think it is, uh, has a lot to do with, you know, black folks. Okay. We're straight, we're straight shooters. I recognize the difference between white people and black people when I moved from my great grandparents' house to my mother's house. <laughs> you know, I, when I moved yes. with my mama, I was around a lot of cousins. It was a lot, we was in the projects. It was a lot of black people. Your skin get tougher. Why? Because yeah. black people don't care about confrontation. They gonna bring it straight to your face. You <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So if it was a black person, they probably would have been like, probably would have tried to figure it out. Like, are you asking me for money? You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right, right, right. Like, not a, you know what I'm saying? And then even empathize. Like, I, for instance, I had a really bad Airbnb stay recently, and I didn't give them a bad review. Why? Because I thought to myself, this is their source of income. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to fuck that up right. because I had one bad night. They, they done did all of this. You know what I'm saying? People who've never gone through certain situations or, like, you dealing with a woman that's spending $800 a month on a gym membership. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, she don't... Right recognize that this is your job. This is how you pay your bills. This right. is how you survive. Maybe right. if you felt some type of way, you should have went straight to Brandon and said, Brandon, well, at least, you know what I'm saying, give me the benefit of the doubt. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Even if you misconstrued what I was asking. Yes. You know what I'm saying? The fact that you confided in her, clearly y'all had a relationship. Yes. But it's that whole thing of fear of confrontation, I feel like, where it don't even have to be confrontational. You know what I'm saying? Is if you just have a conversation, you feel me? Whereas they feel like if they choose find somebody in control to just fix the situation, it's just like recognize how detrimental that is to the longevity of somebody's life. And you know what I'm saying? Like, or just eat like your self-esteem, your you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's just I sometimes I wonder if it's Racism or classism or, Ooh. you know. Yeah. There's um, probably a bit of both in it, right? I mean, maybe for her it was classism, but for me, I can understand how being the only black person in that space, it could go left very quickly. Oh, for like, sure. You know, if I were a white woman or a, wh- a young white gay boy, mm-hmm. how would the how would it have turned out? Would she have thought I was asking her for money? Right. I, I don't know. Well, I think in society, it's a duality of uh, first a layer of classism and then that layer of racism to just seal it in. Because, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel confident in my stereotyping because on top of that, he's black. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. You the racism to really seal it to in. seal it in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, <laughs> that's what they say they do. You know? <laughs> That is brilliant. You know, yeah. I feel like that's what it is. Like, because I know some white folks with money that talk shit about white folks with no money. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they it's true. In, you know, it's true. They think less of them than they do of us. They like how you. Which is such a weird narrative because some, you know, like I feel like the most vocal. Not you know the most vocal of the of the the Trump thumping is usually of a different class, right? Like the we never hear 
like the Mark Zuckerbergs saying, I'm voting for Trump. Like the real, we never hear them say anything. They just give their money. But mm-hmm. then those who are uh, in like middle class or lower class, that is where you hear a lot more of that narrative. And there's no understanding that the ones who are richer than you are probably talking shit and trying to separate themselves from you too. And Listen, oh, 100%. Let yes. me tell you what it is. It's nothing but something that has gone on in every single society in the history of the world. People are being told to hold on to what they were born. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. when you have nothing else, when you can't lean on your intelligence, you can't lean on your ambition, you can't leave on lean on, you know what I'm saying, like your beauty, you can't lean on anything but your whiteness. Yeah. You're going to hang on to that. You're going to cling on to that. You're going to try to... Every fiber. Every fiber of your being because that's the only thing that in your mind elevates you beyond anybody yes. else. You yes. know what I'm saying? You don't have anything else. You broke. You un- you uneducated. You unhappy. You living out in the middle of nowhere. You ain't got shit. Your family ain't got shit. And guess what? Also, the insecurity of knowing that you had an upper hand in this country, but somehow, Oof. some way, you are Oof. behind. So that's yeah. the insecurity of that, too. So now all you can do is hang on to this, what you were born with. You didn't earn yeah. it. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't do anything to become... You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But yet you're told... Because you're white, you're better. And it's no different than in certain societies in Africa. Your nose is shaped one way. You're better than this tribe because their nose is this way. You know what I'm saying? Or their skin complexion is this or that. It's no different. It's that whole psyche of people who everybody on this earth is not created equal. Period. You know what I'm saying? And some people... They want to hang on to. I've I've heard black people. I know <clears throat> the last time I went home, I was talking to this black dude who was talking about Hispanics. He was talking about Mexicans or Latinx. Sorry, I mm-hmm. think that that's out of uh out of time frame. But anyway, you get you yeah. get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. He he was saying Mexicans and how he agreed with Trump because the Mexicans were taking all the jobs from the black people, and I'm like. Are they taking the jobs from you or is it the felonies you have or is it your lack of, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, you know what I'm saying? Like what these people need more than anything is therapy. Because all of these people are looking for something to try to hang on to, to try to just have some type of, uh, some type of, uh, well, it's the power confidence. and confidence, and yeah. yeah. I I really what you said, psyche, because I because I was I was I don't know I was thinking about the other day, just like what is, you know I'm I'm black and queer and it feels good to accept other people who are black or queer or different and it's like okay you get to do your thing and I get to do my thing and whatever and that's my Mm -hmm. mindset and that's your mindset but then there are people who are like no but because you're black you shouldn't have this and because you're queer you shouldn't have that and I'm like what why that doesn't feel good like it wouldn't to me it wouldn't feel good to be like I'm going to stop Jojo from getting anything because she's a woman. She mm-hmm. de- Jojo doesn't deserve it. She's a woman. Right, no, fuck right. that. Like that energy just feels like what I, it feels insane to me. It feels like, well, the other version is Jojo gets a piece of the pie. I get a piece of the pie and life is great. And then there's this version where I get everything and I let Jojo suffer. Does that feel good to people? It must on some to some extent, right? It must feel good to like be well, able to I think what feels good is to equip your shortcomings to somebody else rather than to yourself. Oof. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, I think that feels easier, you know, yes. and if you can blame uh a, somebody else for equating to your lack of intelligence, your lack of success, your lack of safety, your lack mm-hmm. of whatever you think that you're lacking due to this demographic or people. I say, if you focused on you, minded your damn motherfucking business, you could really your be, business. <laughs> if you minded your business, you yes. know, you could really have, like to be whatever you wanted to be. 
you know yeah. too many people don't focus on themselves and having growth like individually like you know what i'm saying like right what, what anybody else does in the world does not determine or dictate where your life can go or what you can do you know right it's all contingent upon you and there are only a small percentage of people who've gotten that and the other people are just out here blaming everybody else for their shit it's the external versus the internal, right? It's like the external seems easier to control. So to assert my dominance mm-hmm. over somebody as opposed to mm-hmm. trying to figure out, well, what is it in me mm-hmm. that that I'm lacking or that I could uh, cultivate or I could like to work on oneself and to really be, you know, um, somebody who is constantly digging deep. You're going to know that as you grow, you're evolving. Anything that's not growing, as I say, is dead. And that's a lot of its own work. But I believe the rewards are better. But I think it's easier for people, as you're saying, to just kind of focus on every to mind yeah. everybody else's business. Yeah. It's easier to give out demands and commands as opposed to saying, okay, well, how can I pull myself up? And I don't just mean like pull myself up in the system without the system. I mean like, how can I, how can I show up as a full human being and live whatever my version of a best life is, which doesn't mean fame and fortune necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just about happiness. It's about like, what are the things that I value and how can I find joy Right. Well, it's easier to subscribe to blaming everyone else for your unhappiness because that means you feel a sense of you're not in control of that. You know, Uh, it's it's almost like that's why they're so frustrated. I can't control these people and they're the reason. Rather than if you look within, you recognize that you are in control and your actions determine everything and that Mm. you you can change who you are. But that's a lot of work, right? Yeah. And when you're when you're given the task of changing yourself, you're held accountable to it rather than yes. if, if you think that everybody else is the problem, then if the shit don't go the way you want it, then you can give yourself a pass because you can't control these people. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You can't. And so I think that's why people love to blame others for yes. their shortcomings. You know, it's just an easier route. Yes, we don't we don't like to be I think as a society and specifically as a culture because I've only grown up in the US, we don't like to be wrong. People mm-hmm. don't like to be wrong. Mm-mm. Being wrong means that there's like room for growth and that you're not perfect. Right. Which to me that's exciting. Getting new information allows me to, you know, be better and show up better, but I think we are conditioned to believe that being wrong is a commentary on your value. Mm-hmm. And so if you're wrong, uh, somebody said it to me the other day. It's like, if you make a mistake, people interpret it, white people specifically, as they are the mistake. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you'll do anything to not make a mistake. Even if you made a mistake, you're not going to say you did because now right. suddenly you're considering that you yourself are a mistake. I think Debbie Irving is the one who told me that. Hmm. Um I have another question for you. You said that we are not all created equally. Tell me more about that, about what you mean by that. Well, I mean, we're not. If you look at the ecosystem of the world, even in the animal kingdom, there are some animals that are going to be top dog and some that are not. There are ants. There are roaches. There are lions. There are, you know, antelope. You know, Um, I think that everyone has the capacity to do whatever it is they want to achieve based no matter where you start. Right. However, everyone does not have the capacity to finish or to actually pursue their goals. Um, yes. Everybody's not created equally. We all don't have the same genetic makeup. We all right. can't be LeBron. We all can't be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could never be a neuroscientist. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I, 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 all of our brains work differently. We're all individually unique. And I think in order to make the world work, we all have to have a role. We all have yeah. to play a part. Everybody, like you said, everybody can't be rich and famous. And that's un- unfortunate for this new gener- generation because they see everybody, uh, you know, I have ambition. You know what I'm saying? Of course, do it. Like, do it however you want to do it. Um, there are going to be some people that just end up, you know, ha- being worker bees. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's your choice. You know what I'm saying? Like, some yeah. people, some people, uh, 
I, I mean, I have family members who would rather not own a business. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they don't they don't want to deal with the payroll and the taxes. And sure. They don't want to have to be accountable to somebody, you know. Um, so they would rather just go to work. And that's the yeah. thing. However, your brain, how would it? Everybody is not created equally. And that's yeah. not good or bad. That's just fact. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think what you said, you talking about that and like, some people are really comfortable in a nine to five. Some people want to start a mm-hmm. business, somebody, whatever, you know, the fact that we are all different, as you're saying, not created equally, we're all different is actually a beautiful thing. Cause that's what as makes the ecosystem work. But also because of the society we're born in, which is this capitalist driven society, suddenly somebody working nine to five on uh, a sort of societal level is branded as not as valuable as mm-hmm. a bill as a bill gates right and that that i think is where then the anger and the rage comes from because it's like no like bill bill gates is not more valuable because he has more money right no. that doesn't make him more valuable right exactly. to me what makes you valuable is the impact that you leave on the world. <clears throat> and and I'm not even talking about like every single person got to know your name. It's just like mm-hmm. the people that you're around, yeah. right? Like nobody, none of y'all know my grandmother, Reverend Dr. Virginia Goodman, but <laughs> that woman has left a legacy on me and everyone that she knew. Right. And she's not Bill Gates and she's right. not Oprah and she's not whatever. But I'll tell you, she's the most valuable human being I've ever come in contact yeah. with. And I, and I think we have to remember that our value isn't based off of, and I'm saying this for myself too, right? Like my value isn't based off of how many followers or how many likes or how much money. It's, did JoJo leave this conversation feeling yeah. good? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. did JoJo leave our experience together feeling good and feeling okay and feeling right. like, oh, that was a, that was a good interaction. Right. That, that that's where that's where my value is, and that's where your value is. Exactly, one hundred percent, and. Every single occupation is necessary. You know, yes. I've I've had so many different jobs. You know, I see why I've been a teacher. I've literally driven uh, forklifts for Home Depot Distribution Center. I see shit got to be transported. How are we going to yes. get shit? Somebody got to wrap them pallets and stack them. By, you know what I'm saying? And somebody got to drive the truck across country to deliver it. Every single thing is needed. And um of course there are professions that deserve more <laughs> adequate <Yes>. pay like <laughs> absolutely teachers, teachers, teachers need to get paid twice as much you should not be stressed financially if you are a teacher at no. all um and it's just the whole side thing of like if you pay teachers better we're gonna produce better adults that run <laughs> shit better you <laughs> yes. know what i'm saying like yes the 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 way teachers are stressed out right now from it's insane oh my gosh like invest I'm, in education it's in, just insane how do you not invest in the youth what do like you just not teaching kids how to do certain things anymore and yet teach them how to do taxes like what are we talking oh they don't about? want to know that they don't they want, don't want to us that. to know that that's a different no. that's a different podcast wait i'm gonna ask you one last question yes sir um which is, what do you want? Mm, what do you think your value is? Mm. My value to who? Me or the world? Let's do both, to you and to the world. Um, you know, I would say that I'm memorable in terms mm. of like an experience. I don't try to necessarily make people laugh or have a good time. It's just, I learned a long time ago, it's easier being yourself. And mm. that's that's my value, is being myself. You know, I think that um, it just shows how you can, you can have what you want doing it the easiest way possible, which is being you. You know, yeah. um, I definitely, you know, have had moments in my life where I've become a chameleon and put on a facade or just, you know, tried to adhere to the people around me. Yeah. However, I realized that people adhered to me more when I was just myself, you know, um, and you don't have to stick to people, you know, people will stick to you, you know. Yeah. So I think that's that's what I would say in terms of um to myself as well that was a gift to myself because it was it was a burden that I didn't know I carried until I 
took it out of the equation, you know, and yeah. it was like, oh, this feels better than, you know, <laughs> than <laughs> anything the other shit. Else, than the <laughs> other shit. And it was rough. It was, it was any, any transition, any type of growth. When I tell you is no different than a baby growing teeth. That shit might hurt. Yes. It's going to be discomfort and, yes. you know, and it's going to be a lot of uncertainty Babies, yeah. babies don't know what the hell going on with their mouth. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what is like, this? this shit hurt. <laughs> you know, yes. and that's what happens when you go through a good transit, like a significant transition. It's gonna be discomfort, but you gotta, you know, forge through, and you be like, damn, I don't even remember. You know, the shit yes. from before, so. Look at my dog barking. My dog is in agreement. Uh, Corey. Look, he got a deep voice, too. What kind he of dog do. is that? He's a pit mix, but he is truly not scary. Oh. He, he only barks when there's an Amazon delivery or something, or some Amazon delivery walking by or whatever. He's like, You ah. know, low-key, I've been trying to figure out if I want my dog to bark at all or <laughs> just when something no. comes to the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't want to bark <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. I'm always like, be quiet. Shut up, right? <laughs> like, shut up. Oh my um, god, Jojo, this has been an amazing conversation. Same, I'm so Brandon. grateful for you, uh, and just thank you. This thank was you. Fuck yes. Oh my goodness, did y'all love Jojo? Isn't she just the fucking best um she is also just so fucking funny okay wait now it's time for bkg learning moment <laughs> i'm gonna keep singing it until i get until we make a theme song on here um so if you don't know the bkg learning moments is where i process and break down what i learned from my conversation and this week there were so many learning moments that stood out to me uh you know through JoJo's middle school experience, we are reminded that black children don't get a presumption of innocence like white children get. And it really brings up, um, you know, just how the adultification of black children. Like we know that uh, black children uh, are seen as adults or less innocent between the ages of five to 14. Uh, and I believe girls are earlier. Uh, black girls get seen as adults or less innocent or not as children earlier, like five, uh, I think as early as five. And I think for black boys, it might start at like 10. Um, don't quote me on that, but I do know it's between five and 14 that we start to see uh, black children no longer being seen as children. And you see the evidence of this uh, in the ways that um Black children are sentenced. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll have a, a, a teenager get an adult sentence, oftentimes, or even just when a black child is killed or a black child being killed, right? We think about Emmett Till, we think about Trayvon Martin, um, you think about all the, the little black boys and girls who have been headlines, ones that we've seen or we haven't seen. And oftentimes they're not characterized as children, um, they're characterized as threats. Thugs, punks, um, and so this idea uh, of 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 Jojo—not idea, but Jojo—reminding us that there was this loss of innocence, like that when the black kids did something, they were handled much differently than the white children, is dangerous. You know, it, it's a it's a dangerous truth um, that I we we have to begin dismantling inside of our education system. Um, especially, you know, uh, I don't have, I, I mean, that's, that's my point. It's fucked up <laughs> that, uh, our, our children are, um, not granted the space to be children, not granted the allowance and the ability to be children. Um, and that when something happens to our black children, that again, our media characterizes them and and continues to leave out it was a child that is a child that we're talking about um oof okay um also don't mess with baby jojo after she watches roots cuts our hands work and you will get knocked the fuck out okay and you know i i i like 
I found the story very funny. <laughs> but also, you know, the, when you learn about your history, uh, it, 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 it is triggering. Yeah, I mean, we know the James Baldwin quote, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time, right? Uh, so like to watch a movie like Roots, to, to understand the inhumane uh, ways in which Black people have been treated and continue to be treated when you as a kid get that knowledge, uh, even as an adult getting that knowledge, I, I mean, a white person talks to you left, it is a miracle if uh, it does not end up with throwing of hands. Um, I just, I, I always find this uh, this piece complicated and fascinating because, you know, in our fight, our fight is always for equality and equity, and there's always such um, intense pushback against that. Uh, and you would think that those people are afraid of, or maybe they are, that Black people just want to retaliate. And Black people, we know this, Black people have every reason to retaliate. The ways in which we and our children and our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our lineages and our families and our communities, uh, our people have been treated every justified to retaliate, but that is not um, what we are doing. We have managed to manage the rage, Whew. which I'm sure there's a much longer, more complicated conversation to be had about the benefits or the disservice or whatever of managing that rage. But, you know, I, I understand a, a raw, young Joe, Joe getting that information from Roots and then having a retaliation, having that moment, having that, fuck, don't disrespect me. You do not get to do that. Um, Anyways, I think uh, all I'm saying is, go JoJo. <laughs> uh, I do not condone violence, but uh, hey, go JoJo. <laughs> Listen. Uh, sometimes I, I have to say, like, I am a, I am a, a love and light type of person uh, to an extent. <laughs> As they say, I'm saved, but I ain't that saved, you know? You don't get to to be disrespectful or as an adult, you know, hear people. I mean, y'all, sometimes I get these comments and these emails and these DMs that are just horrible, <laughs> like, like awful. I mean, it's why, like, I know some of you say, like, oh, we, I DM you. And I, like, I don't go through my DMs often because as much as there are wonderful, um, positive, um, messages there are also these really disgusting horrific uh hateful messages uh and comments on posts and stuff like that where i really have to manage my rage i really have to manage my emotional capacity to be able to take that and be like you know what i don't know this person this person is maybe a robot maybe it is a person maybe it's a kid maybe it's a, a old person i don't know who this is or what this energy is but i can't take this on i gotta keep doing my work but i will say i can be love and light in that situation but if anybody said them nasty things to my face six feet away <laughs> but to my face i can't promise that I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. And I, I don't really want to find out, but I, but I do know that I am saved, but I ain't that saved. Okay. <laughs> Love and light to an extent, <laughs> to a point <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, uh, what else did we learn from Jojo? I mean, we learned so much. Um, I really love the conversation, you know, that while we should celebrate our differences, uh, we have to acknowledge that in a capitalist and competitive society, our value is often measured on our financial success. That hits. That hits and that um, it hurts because I, I've, I can see my, not in like a, in a bad way, but in like a, 
oof, yeah, fuck. I, I can see so much of my pain um, in my uh, earlier part of my adulthood or later part of my teenage years is really wrapped up in in money, right? Really wrapped up in my value being and like, how much can I make? What can I buy for myself? What designers am I wearing? What this, what that, like, like in this incessant need to, um, for lack of a better term, like for me, it was like, I, like I, I embraced the bougie-ness of it all. Um, but it's like, you know, I joke and like, I'm bougie, but it really is like, I'm finding my value in finances. I'm finding my value in uh, how much money I have or how much money I can make you think I have, um, as opposed to finding my value in my difference, in me and my humanity. Um, and ugh, yeah, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do y'all know? Okay, listen, I already told y'all uh, the DMs are challenging for me to check, but you're listening to this podcast, so you can email blackfolkspodcast at gmail.com. I do read your messages there, and I'm so, so, so appreciative uh, of you uh, all emailing and and sending me your thoughts or sending me your questions. Uh, so if you have more thoughts about this episode or any episode, please, 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 I want to hear from you. Uh, email blackfolkspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, folks is spelled F-O-L-X. Okay. And that was the BKG Learning moments. <laughs> I'm gonna get this theme song. I promise you. We're gonna I'm we gonna get me in the booth. We will get me in that booth. Oh my goodness, that's the episode. It flies by for me. I hope it flies by for y'all as well. I had so much fun with JoJo, and I know we are all blessed by our presence on this show, uh, our queen and my uh, official play cousin for life, okay? Um, y'all, if you enjoyed this episode, if you were inspired, moved, learned something new, any of that, please subscribe, rate, and comment on any of the platforms you listen to your podcast. Send it to a friend. Tell somebody about us post it on ig do what you got to do honey get the word out also if you want to see the video version of this interview it'll be available a week from today on my youtube page at brandon k good you can always catch sneak peeks of upcoming conversations on my IGTV page at brandon k good on tom ellis's page at official tom ellis or on the black folks instagram page honey b-l-a-c-k-f-o-l X. And you know I want to hear from you, and I know I just gave you this email address in the learning moments, but I'm going to give it to you again, okay? Blackfolkspodcast at gmail.com. Send me your long, long thoughts. Send me your short, short thoughts. So many ways to get a hold of me. Uh, one of them, one of them, I will I will see one of them, right? Um, uh, Blackfolkspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's spelled B-L-A-C-K-F-O-L-X podcast at gmail.com. And that's it. I mean, listen, I hope that you're having a great day or a great night. I don't know when you're listening to this or a great weekend, a great week, whatever it is. I hope it's going really well. Uh, And just in case you haven't heard it yet today, I love you so much. (laughs) Bye. Podcast Network.